Hey there, Laker fans. Uh, welcome to another episode of Lakers Detailed uh, with me, Vinay, and my co-host, Raj. Um, we are here after a Game 3 blowout of the Warriors, a game that was tightly contested and, and started you know, just kind of going, going in the Lakers' favor, uh, which led to a lot of pandemonium on Twitter, which we may get into a little bit later um, at towards mm-hmm. the end of this. Uh, but it was uh, it was a very very interesting game, um, basketball wise, as well as just kind of everything that went on, um, you know, between the two teams, uh, even non basketball related. And you know, there's been a lot of sound bites and stuff that have come out since then. Um, but before we start, you know, me and Raj just want to thank all the folks spending their Sunday night with us here at. 30 uh, on the West Coast uh, to listen to us talk about Lakers basketball. As always, this is always a good time with Raj. Raj, how are you doing? Lakers got a big blowout in Game Three after getting blown yeah, out man. in Game Two. Yeah, two teams traded blowouts. No, I'm doing great. There's nothing better than you know a weekend after a Laker win, right? Like a weekend day after a Laker win. I wish we could enjoy it a little bit more. You know, I'd like one more day just to kind of bask in the glory of being up 2-1. Who knows how long that really lasts um, with, you know, game four tomorrow. But no, I'm doing great, man. Played basketball in the morning. I uh, had a beautiful Sunday when we watched the game a little bit before we hopped on here. Um, you know, cut a few more clips up. But, yeah, I'm doing great. Beautiful Sunday here in uh, California. How are you doing, man? I am doing well i went to a wedding yesterday that started uh an indian wedding so if any of you guys are familiar if the folks aren't aren't familiar with indian weddings they take hours to complete and uh the indian wedding i went to yesterday uh the bride walked into like the procession at 5 30 literally when the when like the game was about to tip off and i kid you not um every single person every single male in the crowd what at in attendance probably was looking down at their phones the entire time because I think it was just the, the wedding was full of just Laker fans and they were just all, I mean I was doing the same thing uh, I was holding my daughter in one hand while she ate her snacks uh, while watching the game <laughs> in the other hand and my brother was right next to me and a bunch of our friends we were all just sitting together um, and uh, you know I was able to get out of it a little bit early so I could watch the second half at home uh, but I will tell you what. That first half, I was very tense watching that Man. first quarter. I, I I didn't know what was going to happen to us. I don't know how you're at a wedding. I was like sitting down. I did not move for three hours. I like I did not move at halftime. I made sure to stand still. Went on like a thirty-three to eight run, but that yeah, that was a tense time. I think we were down eight. Uh, LeBron kicking out to Dennis Schroeder threes, just making everyone go absolutely ballistic. Like, what are you doing? Um, before we kind of settled in and then Golden State kind of just shot themselves in the foot eight times. I mean, bunch of technicals, uh, really weird kind of plays there. Um, I think a flagrant kind of in amassed all that. But yeah, that was that was a tense first half to like versus the second half, which was a nice kind of the Lakers went on a run early in the third, got up double digits and never really relinquished that. But um, yeah, let's let's dive into this. I'm excited, man. There's a lot to a lot to get into here. Yeah, so so we'll, we're just gonna jump right into the tactical stuff. So the the Lakers get blown out in Game Two. The the mm-hmm. core adjustment that the Warriors make in Game Two is they take uh, Kevon Looney out, um, say that he's not feeling well. He only plays twelve minutes off the bench, and um, 
they go with Jamichael Green, and the game was actually kind of like close. It wasn't it wasn't like a blowout from the jump. It seemed like it was sort of going to be a, a tight game until I think the Warriors kind of opened it up. Um, yeah. And won won the minutes. I want to say with eighty off the floor, pretty convincingly. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it looked like you you could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to get Steph more on ball. The last time we recorded, with, you know, that was the expectation. I think that was everybody's expectation that they were going to try and play faster, get Steph the ball, have him bring the ball up, so the Lakers had to respect sort of his gravity uh, as a scorer. And the Lakers Lakers had tons of lapses in transition defense. Transition defense has been an issue for this team all yeah. season long. It's not something that's that's you know gone away even after um, uh, the, the trade deadline. And so the Lakers responded by playing exactly the same starting lineup in game three, uh, but they adjusted their coverages. And you noted something that uh, I thought was a really wonderful wrinkle. before. Actually, before you mention what your wrinkle, what, uh, that, what you tweeted about, and this is that Vando thing, the Vando assignment mm-hmm. thing that I'm leading you to. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was I didn't see anybody mention it, but Gary Payton, Jr., uh, Gary Payton II almost got completely cut out of the rotation in game two. Yeah. That was, it wasn't just Jermichael. They basically took two of their best defensive players, um, obviously the best rebounder in Looney, and Gary Payton is a, a really good defender, on-ball defender. They took him off the, out of the rotation completely. And, you know, granted, the Warriors did win in, in blowout fashion in game two. Um, I didn't know if that was going to be sustainable. Like, I, like, can you play without playing any real defenders outside of Draymond? Um, and then obviously they get blown out in game three. But talk to me about like what you saw with with that wrinkle that that Ham deployed. Well, that's a good point. I haven't heard that anywhere either. But yeah, just making Gary Payton unplayable, right? And that's the Anthony Davis effect to me, to where you just can't play such a non-shooter, right? You're already going to at least play one, right? The Warriors aren't going to go without Draymond or Looney, and maybe they do. Maybe they maybe they just go out way out of left field and do Kaminga at, at five um, in game four. But yeah gp2 can't play even jordan Poole, i thought he was really bad they took him out you know very early in his stretch um but you have the vanderbilt thing i think that was the exciting thing and i you know we were kind of talking adjustments offline we didn't i don't think we recorded after um game two uh but like what kind of what the lakers adjustment would be to the small ball and i thought that was really smart to put like vanderbilt um over onto draymond and then austin reeves right onto steph and kind of I, I don't know, like I've been kicking this back and forth. I think like Vanderbilt's advantages against Steph kind of go away when he's on the ball, right? Like I feel like what he has on Steph, all that size and that length to be able to bother him, that kind of it gets negated a bit when Steph can just run a a ball screen and then like you kind of are involving two people in the play. But to put him on Draymond so then you can switch that to where if Steph wants to isolate, um, then he has to kind of uh, attack uh, Vanderbilt in one-on-one or Austin Reeves did a really nice job. And then AD on Jermichael Green. So if you want to involve AD in the action there, you have to pull Jermichael Green into it, who's just not as good of a role man, who's also not that confident. I thought, you know, they made a good point on the broadcast that like pick and pop threes are a little different, right, than him just standing there in the corner waiting for the ball in rhythm. It's a little different for Jermichael Green to be a guy who has to like who has to screen and then Mm -hmm. push back to drop back with AD being able to recover. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a really big adjustment. But do you agree with that, that Vanderbilt's kind of, his advantages, I guess, are a little negated with Steph on the ball there. Um, and and now we have Reeves on him, which, you know, it's a tough task for Austin as well. His legs still look dead. But I thought, you know, that was a really great adjustment that uh, Darvin Ham started with. Yeah, I, I think part part of the issue also is that um, when you when you 
have Vando on Steph, he's he's trying to do so much ball denial, and he's really really good at doing that when Steph is running around screens and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The the core issue is when Steph is on the ball the entire time, then none of that extra energy is like because he can't foul him right, like he can't like deny him mm-hmm. to the point where he's stopping the inbounds. Like th- there's a there's a limit to how much he can do on ball wise, and so it it's I I like the adjustment. I also like the adjustment because it allows Vando like Vando doesn't have to worry about the threat of, of Draymond, like doing something on offense in that, like being a threat without the ball in his hands offensively. And it's like, it's kind of crazy because Vando's a non-shooter also. So you would think that he would like, you know, if you, if you did that, like it, it's like what they do against Vando, like, Oh, like now he, like he can't shoot. So he's ineffective, but it, mm. it's, you know, when we first talked about the series and, and we talked about after the game one win, what the adjustment would be, um, I think one of the things that we had discussed together was that Dre, like if they wanted to do more on ball stuff, um, yeah. one of the ways to negate that would just be to switch it. And one of the things that we had said is if you just put LeBron on Draymond, then Steph is basically switching from Vando to LeBron. Uh, and right. that way you can keep AD out of those situations. And AD is just basically only has to worry about the guy that's the corner guy. Um, you know, Jermichael Green in this in this example, he has to worry about him. But the Lakers actually didn't even do that. Like, it, right, they, they just went and did, um, they put uh, Reeves on ball uh, with mm-hmm. Steph and then had Vando be the guy that, that takes that switch. So I, I, I think it's a very interesting wrinkle. Um, I think it is taxing on, it. like there is some attrition because it's very taxing on Austin. Right. And like Austin had a very tough first half until Lonnie Walker made made an appearance, which is another another adjustment that I think um, Ham should get a lot of credit for. Lonnie was like the fifteenth man, because you know fourteenth or fifteenth guy more or less uh, in this rotation, and Ham deployed him, and you could see the freshness in Austin's legs at the start of the third quarter um, as he's super aggressive. But yeah. I, the, the only way I can describe it is the way that you said it. It's like, it's very tactical. Like this is exactly what tactical deployment mm-hmm. of a player looks like. Vando can guard f- pretty much all five guys that are on the floor. So right. why not just, just put them in a position to be as disruptive as possible? Exactly. I don't know. Did you get to watch Denver um, Phoenix tonight? I, wa- I watched some of it, not all of it. Okay. You should watch that. That I, I'm not sure I've seen shot making like that, like mm-hmm. in a very long time. But to me, that series is more just like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are just going to go absurd. Like, I'm not sure what you really do, right? You can, we started double teaming and Landry Shamit had a good game because, of course, he did. But like, yeah, like that, that series is a little bit more just kind of back and forth. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, the chess match here has been, has been really fun. And, and, you know, I've seen this around with Austin. I don't think you're getting an easy assignment anyway, right? Like, whether he's on clay, whether he's on Steph, Austin has to learn to play tired. I think that's something you learn when you're in the playoffs. And he hit a big three um, in the third quarter there to kind of hit a step back three. And I thought that was really good for him to see the ball go through the net after kind of chasing Steph around. Here's my question, though. What is the Warriors counter to this, right? Like, because obviously they're going to come back with something. I'm not sure. Like, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. Maybe it's a lineup change, but I'm not sure where they go. I mean, you can, you can, you know, take out Jermichael Green, who got a quick sub in game, in game, uh, in game three. But take him out for maybe Kuminga, who I don't know Steve Kerr really trusts. Moses Moody, I thought he's playing well in this series. 
he looked kind of scared to shoot in in game three as well. He kept diving to the rim as when he was supposed to be spaced. But what's their like offensive counter? Is it just Steph one on one? Right? Is it just Steph? No screen, nothing. I'm just I'm taking I'm you know I'm hitting Austin with step back threes or I'm just attacking him in isolation, which he tried to do a little bit when the game was out of hand. That's also taxing for him. I feel like, and we talked about this as well. Steph on the ball, they've completely Vinay scrapped their motion like yeah completely. By game two, and they won yeah. game two, right? But they completely scrap what they're doing, they're, what they've been doing, right? Their motion stuff has all been gone. It's all isolation. Steph is getting the ball in, like he's uh, getting the ball on the inbounds, walking it up, and running their set like a traditional quote unquote guard. Um, like, what, what's your counter, I guess, for them if you're, you know, put on their shoe, put on the Warriors shoe? Like, what, what would, I guess, your counter there be? Would it just Steph in isolations, more Wiggins stuff? I thought Wiggins is a, strangely just not in as involved as efficient as he is maybe they just don't want to go to that but what's what's their adjustment i guess that, that you'd be looking for yeah so like I've, I've been thinking about that um the only lineup change there's only two lineup changes that i can think of one is that they go back to looney and draymond starting again and they try to slow down the game and turn it into like a half court shooting contest which is very possible it's not like they, they can't try to dictate something like that um, okay you know spamming pick and roll and all this i don't know if it'll be successful that's one of them the other option is, and, and I don't know if they're ready to do this just because of how he's played this series, is to pull Jermichael Green and start Jordan Poole and just go Steph, Steph, Jordan Poole, um, Steph, Jordan Poole, oh, why am I missing his Clay Thompson, Wiggins, and and Draymond, and just try to just just turn it into a complete shootout. Um, that That's the only way I can see it happening because they're, they're trying to get 80 out of position. Okay, that, that's what's trying. That's what they're trying to do. Very clearly, their goal is not oh get Steph on ball so he gets more shots. They're literally right. giving Steph the ball more, just hoping that the Lakers will take the bait and eighty will come out, and then the entire backline is compromised. And that's what happened in Game Two. Like Game Two, eighty because they were playing faster, eighty would get caught on switches or he'd come up too high, and then all of a sudden the entire backside would be compromised. Braun is not going to like Braun has been phenomenal on defense for what we're like where he's been at physically. Um, yeah. I know like the offensively, he's been a little shaky, uh, which we talked about when the series started. We don't know what we're going to get out of LeBron, but whatever offense we can get out of him, great. Um, but he's been great on defense, help side and not doing that stuff. But he's not going to keep going for help side blocks every possession. And so yeah, the Warriors are very good at trying to get guys to compromise your defense by, by you know bringing AD out. As long as that doesn't happen, as long as the Lakers are disciplined enough to be like, no, we need AD to stay in the paint because we want these guys shooting contested jumpers, not getting layups at the rim. We have a we have a great chance of playing. And I thought yesterday's game, uh, after the eighteen to four run or whatever it was, like mm -hmm. that game, the complexion of that game completely changed, in my opinion, when AD decided to put his mark defensively on the game. He started yeah. stepping up to the DHO actions and not letting guys just rhythm dribble into shots like i saw him deflecting pocket passes i saw him deflecting live dribbles i saw him like like literally snatch the ball out of the air on some passes um and, and i saw him go from being a guy who was just you know riding the wave of whatever the game was in, and turning to a guy who was like no this is how you i'm going to play defense like, th these are the only shots i'm going to allow the warriors to take and i know i know the blocks or the stocks or whatever it is that people keep recording. Like that's a flashy stuff. Mm -hmm. But he does so much more than that when it comes to 
I, you talk about like the 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 you know in when we talk about gravity in basketball, it's about giving you know creating more opportunities. But he has like this anti gravity part defensively, where when he's mm-hmm. in a specific area of the court, everybody wants to go away from him. The ball wants to go away from him. They don't want to go at him because he's going to block it, he's going to steal it, and it turns into a turnover. And I thought when he started getting real active, especially with his hands and those that, that ball hawking stuff that he does. It completely changed the complexion of, of of that of the game, and he has to keep doing that. Like he he has to stay active. He can't just like be cool with letting guys throw these slick passes by him, and he's not even trying to challenge those passing lanes, the passing angles, or or threaten to block a guy and stuff like that. So I I, I think that I don't know what adjustment they make, but it doesn't seem like the Lakers are too concerned about Jermichael Green taking wide but wide open threes. Like I see them letting him take wide open threes, so you have to do something. They're they're not as wide. So in Golden State, we really just sold out, right? We were like, we're yeah. just not, we're not caring. We treated him like he was Draymond Green, and I think Jermichael is at least more respectable there. And obviously, being on the road is different. Role players like Green play mm-hmm. better. I'm at home. You said start Jordan Poole. I don't know. Have you been? Have you got back to rewatch the game? I'm not oh, sure if you have, but yeah. Okay. He's he's been aw- he's been awful. But go ahead, yeah. He's way worse on like the second because you don't you don't really notice it in the flow of the game. I go yeah. back and watch and some of the plays, I'm like, what is he even seeing there? Like there was like 18 on the shot clock and he takes like a 40 footer. Um, yeah. like he's Steph, and maybe that's how they're selling it. But even defensively, he's lost a lot of the times. But that does push the pace. That gets them going up a little quicker. I think they're going to try to play and transition more. Um, and I think Steph and Clay are just gonna get their volume up to me. Like I think. By the way, D'Lo on Clay as well, I thought was a really interesting wrinkle. Someone yeah. who we thought would get picked on defensively this series, or most people thought, D'Lo on Clay was actually pretty solid. I thought he chased him around enough. And I thought going at him on the other end was huge. But I want to stay on AD. There was a play, when I, and like I know Jermichael Green is technically getting some open looks, but there was a play where like they ran a Steph kind of pitch with Looney. And like every game, I feel like and the Warriors are like this. You'll see this in their series, like a lot, especially against really good teams where like teams kind of, you get more and more used to playing them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying like it gets easier. I'm not saying that. It's just like you kind of read stuff a little bit more. Like the guard to guard switches are a lot more crisp than they were before. We had some like, even with Lonnie, I think was out there and D'Lo and Lonnie did a nice job, like guard to guard switching all those actions. The only ones they don't want to really switch are the one five where like AD is up on Steph. But the right. guard to guard stuff, we've been, really good like switching those draymond we let whoever and maybe that's another adjustment they like draymond you kind of have to score like you can't have two yeah. points in a full game like you have austin reeves on you you have to show one post move maybe he has one does he have a post i'm well maybe we'll i mean he, we'll he tried to, he he tried to he tried a left-handed dribble drive spin over his left shoulder right-handed layup i think is what he tried and he missed yeah, it yeah. all completely to the opposite side of the rim so i don't know right. if he has it in him but we'll see yeah yeah we'll see but he had a play where like 80 had a play where like they ran a pitch with steph and yeah. he like dissuaded the shot from Steph, and then Clay came off a handoff. Then he dissuaded the shot from Clay, mm-hmm. and then they pitched it to Jermichael Green, and he contested Green's three. And I was like, "Are there? Any- I'm not sure who else could have done like that, yeah. like that hole." And then you know we got an unlucky tip out. Wiggins tipped it out, and Steph hit three. But that's just like process. There is yeah, that's a lot on AD. That's also the like ask when you're like the one of the you know, best players in the series. That's kind of what it's going to be to beat this Warriors team. So, yeah, I'm fascinated what they do. But, um, I, like, I, I feel like they're going to throw Kaminga. I think they're going to go smaller and just 
you have to kind of dare them because you talked about GP2 not even playing anymore, right? Yeah. They've gone totally away from the two bigs. Looney and Draymond, that's a dynastic lineup. That's like that's, that's yeah. won a lot for them, and they've thrown that out by game two. And that, to me, is the Anthony Davis effect. LeBron, I think, you know, I'd like him to rebound a little bit better than sometimes he does, but you're right. You're getting the defensive effort for him. Uh, I'm interested. Is it Moody? Is it Kaminga? Is it Jordan Poole, who they haven't really got going? So, But Anthony Davis has been fantastic, at least defensively, and then I'm sure we'll get into his offense here a little bit later. But I just thought, like, yeah. there, there's so many plays where, and even the broadcast was bringing it up, where he's just he's taking away the rim. Like, the rim is completely gone. And they're having to take these step back threes and Clay shot eight for 11 in game two um, from, from downtown and started off hot in this one. But I think we're living Vinay with like, Hey, look, if Steph's going to hit, like he hit one on Dennis too, it was like step back when he's already at the three point line contested yeah. three. And like, those are, you just have to kind of tip your hat sometimes like, okay, like you have that, but you're not getting loony dump offs, right? Wiggins isn't cutting baseline for a dunk, like those stuff, like you got to take right. away. And I think, I think we're doing a pretty solid job of that. Yeah, I, I think so. Like a lot of people have been, you know, uh, the stuff I usually read on my on, on the timeline that I've seen, like about like the on ball stuff stuff is like a lot of it has to do with just kind of what they did in that Boston series that sort of turned stuff around. And the thing is, is that Boston was basically putting themselves in a position to, and, and I remember the I remember the coverage about this during during the playoffs last season. Like everybody's just like, oh, you can't play drop against stuff. You can't play drop against stuff, and people have been sharing like different terminology. Oh, it's a catch hedge. It's a hedge. It's mm -hmm. a soft edge. It's a drop. Like, uh, you know, I love the terminology and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not going to say no, the, the, that's real stuff. That's the stuff that the way that coaches coach, but some of this is just like, it's, it's not a scheme. Like I don't think Anthony Davis is being told, Hey, soft hedge this. I think Anthony Davis is just because he's a great defensive player making the read like, okay, Steph has already hit two of these. I'm going to press this shot and yeah. I'm going to take my chances with this. Or if, if Steph has been taking this out of rhythm or he doesn't look like he's in rhythm or if Vando or Rees or whoever is chasing him has been doing a good job closing the gap on him enough to force his shot, then he's making his read based on that. And that's just, that's like a defensive chemistry, defensive communication that only a player like AD, like a caliber defensive caliber player like AD can make those kind of reads. Um, and you I have don't to make think those in like split second too, right? right like that's right. that's a tough that's a tough read to make. Yeah. Right, and and I think it's it's understated how much of an impact he actually has because you no know, two guys defend those things, you know, defend those coverages the same, right? Like the way Dennis may defend it versus the way Vando may defend it, and like maybe even the um, the what's what, what, the word I think it like the the safety that AD may feel knowing that a certain guy is. is defending that who's screen. attached mm -hmm. yeah is, is different right and so he has to make those reads separately that's the game within a game and trusting your teammates but like i don't think there's a scheme that's being deployed you know what i mean like I, th I think they're just like hams to some degree like obviously he's probably telling them don't stand in the middle like don't stand underneath the rim if steph is the guy who's taking the shot but like i think ad at some point probably also realized like okay if i just let this guy rhythm dribble off that off the handoff and i don't even try to contest his dribble, you know, like deflect it or, or challenge the pocket pass or, or force them to do something other than what they're doing. Like that's a read I think he makes. And, and I think he really realizes that himself. And um, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because again, like, like we, we just talked about the, the adjustments that they can make. Like if they play Looney again, that's two non-shooters again. And that makes the Lakers job easier on defense because they can ignore both of those guys. 
Then the other issue that you also get is if they go with Poole, Poole has been terrible. Forget the offense. He has been terrible on defense for that team. Awful. And, mm-hmm. and there are no amount of points that he gives up, that he scores, that he's not giving <laughs> up on the other end. And um, like, uh, and the out of rhythm stuff is the. I think you described it perfectly. Like, like a, a an early transition three is good, but the early transition threes that Pool is taking are not good. Like they're they they seem like they're almost out of control. He's rushing to get these shots off. He's actually playing like a player who doesn't know when he's going to get his next shot. So when he touches the ball, he's going to shoot it no matter what. And a lot of the stuff that we were concerned about that they were doing really well against the Kings, like the designed driving action yeah. and all that sort of stuff that he was, he was, you know, getting fouls and stuff like that. He's not getting those in this series. And um, I, I, I looked up the number earlier today. They've shot 53 threes the first mm-hmm. game, then I think 44 and then 41 or 42. They shot a total. I think they shot over 40 threes, maybe four times in the seven games against the Kings. And like mm-hmm. the pivotal game that they won that game five or game six they actually shot below. They shot like 33 or 32 threes. The Warriors did against the Kings. And against us, they're just shooting as many threes that are that are coming to them. So I, I just don't know about the sustainability of that. Just because if we know you're going to take threes, eventually we're just going to adjust to that. And we're just going to start pressing more and more up on your threes um, to do it. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, with the with the scheme stuff, like I do think they're telling like it's a hard job, but I think they're telling him like dissuade the three and then get back to your guy yeah. and then box out. It's a lot. Like, it's a lot of work. And then the like mental stability to be like, oh crap, I messed up on this one and Steph got a look and he made it. Yeah. Like to be able to like just next play mentality, we hear that a lot offensively. But I think we said when the series started, like war- the Warriors can break your will. Like they can hit jump shots that like you just kind of have to live with sometimes. Yeah. And Steph and Clay are going to hit some of those. You just want to take away to me, Vinay, the transition ones, the ones off offensive rebounds, right? Like Steph's going to come up the floor and hit 35 footers on step backs over contest. Kind of yeah. live with that. And I think they're telling like AD, you can't like you can't fully commit, right? Like yeah. you fully commit, then that opens up their their wheelhouse where they get the pocket pass or the, you know, the, the shovel. And then and like that gets them going on their four on threes. Um, but I think the counterpoint to this is like, Jermichael green, isn't Draymond green. Like he, right. That's not like what he does. Like he's not in that position a lot where he's the playmaker out of those. And like their passes are like a step slower. And when mm-hmm. the Lakers defense is locked in that step slower matters. Like that closeout yeah. is a little bit tighter. Right. And you see guys hesitate. There are so many plays and they, like I was trying, I was cutting up where, like okay, Steph goes and sets a screen, and we we like c- recover that. Like right? the, the the defense is back to uh to st- back to stable, and then it's like Moody coming off a screen, and then AD and LeBron switch that. So now right. no advantage was created, right? Because you have AD and LeBron switching that, and now you have AD on Moody, and Moody's like, oh crap, I'm in the middle of the floor. Where do I go? And then like he throw he threw it to the corner, to Vincenzo, and he took a contested mid range too. Like those are the possessions they're getting. And then other than that, it's the tough step back three. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated where they go with this. I'm, I think that they're gonna lean offense, but there's stuff that goes against that. And you talked about the King series. The threes were what got plastered. It was the rim attacks. It was Steph yeah. being able to get to the rim and finish because it's Sabonis, it's Harrison Barnes, it's Malik Monk on the ball. It's respect to those guys, dear. Like it's those guys on the point of attack. And now we have like Vando, Schroeder, even Austin's done a nice job. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Davis is just a force that the Kings just don't have respectfully. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated where they go. And I think they're going to, um, lean offense, uh, in, in that in game four. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if there's a line of change just because they've done it before, they might, they might, you know, and maybe it'll, they're hoping that it'll like boost, um, pools like morale to be back with the st- starters and stuff like that. Like they may try to, it, you know, swap out Jamichael for pool. But again, like we talked about it when they did the Jamichael move, like if they play smaller, LeBron and AD should dominate on the offensive end. And, you know, LeBron has been compromised. You can see him struggle even in transition to finish layups and stuff like that. His footwork is a little shaky um, just because you can tell he's not trying to, he can't really jump off that right foot um, the the way he normally would. Um, What do you think about AD's offense? Because, you know, game two, I, I think I, I tweeted it out. Like he's, it seemed like AD was very complacent. And I know he did an interview with Sam Amick at the, in the athletic. And he said, Oh, you know, I was just missing shots and blah, blah, blah. And I, I tuned out this and it's not like, okay, that's fine. Like I understand the fluff that we get from the media every time something happens, but like, you know, he's, he seems a little on and off when it comes to his off, when it comes to the aggression, like it's very yes, clear. Draymond's, Draymond's job defensively is to beat AD to whatever angle or spot that he wants to get to when he has the ball in his hands. That's literally what Draymond is trying to do. Draymond's not swiping. He's not trying to like deflect the, you know, deflect the ball. Nothing. He's not trying to no force reach. him to post up. Yep. All he's trying to do is get to the spot before AD does and hope that he can either draw a charge or it's a no call. And right. You know, almost it's almost, it sounds bad, but it's, Draymond's not doing it in a dirty fashion, but he's almost trying to take 80s legs out from underneath him, but not in a, in a malicious sense, more like in the sense of like, if I get to this spot before you do, you won't be able to gather like you normally would a, a, a big guy normally would to be able to finish this with a layup or finish this with a dunk. And I thought that affected AD in, in game two. And it looked like it was going to affect him in the first quarter of this game too, as well, because he was having some issues with, with his finishing and whatnot. And, um, and then he gets it together. Like all of a yeah. sudden you see him just go, you know, chest first into Draymond. And now all of those, um, you know, situations where AD seemed like he'd maybe been uncomfortable taking a shot, turn into blocking fouls on Draymond. And yeah. And then Draymond gets into foul trouble because of it. And so for me, when I was watching it, like I was watching with my brother, I was just like, he has to do this. He can't bail 100%. out Draymond and not even attempt a layup or try to go through him for a layup or else – Draymond wins that possession every single time if, if, if you're deferring. Yeah, like, I, you know, a lot of the schemes and stuff, and, you know, they're icing the ball screens on the left side. They're trying to force us into – force our guards away from the screen and try to force that pocket pass, right? Kind of bait it. Like, mm-hmm. force the pocket pass into the paint where we're all there. But I think you made the key point there. Aggression, and you got to meet force with force in this series. Yeah. Like, like, I understand Draymond, defensive player – I think multiple time defensive player of the year award – I believe so, or maybe once, I'm not sure. But he's like 6'6 on his giving him the most. Maybe 6'7, I'll give you that, sure. 86'11, and big, and strong, and like skilled. And if Draymond's going to stand there, like to me, sometimes you just got to go through his chest. Like like, you got to just show like I'm going, like the Warriors and Draymond and their whole style, I don't think you can meet like Draymond's force with finesse. Like I don't think that's the way you beat them. You got to go through their chest. I didn't even care if any one of those were a charge and then we got it reversed. I think we challenged yeah. it and it turned back to a block. It was a, even when it was a charge, I said, I love that play. 
Like, show him that you're going to go through him. If you're going to stand there, you're going to get me going at full speed with my, you know, shoulder into your chest. You're going to feel that every time, right? And, like, I think that's important. Like, we're to Draymond be like, oh, crap. Like, maybe next time I'm not standing right there. Maybe I'm turned a little bit, right? Because I don't want that right in my chest. And he's big, strong enough to even finish those. Um, and yeah, and I think that got him going. Like the there was a play at the end of a shot clock one time where like Steph Curry was on him, right? And uh, where Steph was like tagging him on the roll. I don't know if you remember this play, but like Steph was tagging him, and LeBron just threw it up there. He's like, "Go yeah. volleyball, get that." No cute, like, let me get in front of while Steph tries to, you know, right. um, deny. Like, I'm, the not, pose. I'm not waiting for you to seal him. You like it, you're like a, a foot and a half taller than this guy. Exactly. And the guy and the guy in the paint is Andrew Wiggins, right? Like respect to Andrew Wiggins, but like throw it up there, make AD get it, and it looked like Wiggins fouled and whatever, and AD finished it. There's another one where Steph was on him, and he's like, "I'm gonna go in your chest and just finish a floater." Right. AD has every floater in the like that's his game. Like those shots, if they're gonna ice the coverage, and some of those Looney's gonna be at the rim just standing there. Yeah. Catch it at the free throw line and go up. Or if Draymond's there, go through his freaking chest. Like put yeah. him in the basket. I think he got eight free throws in, you know, in game three. And that's where it needs to be at. The offensive rebounding, we'll see if that, you know, picks up. They're sending like two or three at him. But to me, that's what it is, Benet. It's not about the, you know, in the in the piece you're referencing. He's like, yeah, they're the same shots. Maybe they're the same shots, but the t- the way you took those Right. Is vastly different between uh game two and game three. The same, like maybe distance, you know, ESPN puts a distance marker on everything yeah, for yeah. some reason now. Uh, but like, yeah, like to me, maybe those shots are the same in terms of the distance. They were 100% not the same in terms of his aggression and like it, what he wanted, I guess, out of those actions. So, um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was much better in that regard. And he's going to have to be. I think, I don't think we can survive games where he has like 15 or 11 points and he had right. in game two. Like that's just, that's too stark a difference. His floor has to be higher as great as he's been defensively. They still need him to produce and be re- aggressive with the way they're defending us. Yeah. And, and, and his defense, like sometimes I also think to myself that like they can almost escape with him being like average on the offensive end, like just, just put backs and all that kind of stuff. If he's, if he's phenomenal on the defensive end, but we can't survive games where he's doing both, like where he's just like inconsistent mm-hmm. defensively and also inconsistent offensively. Like we we need something, and and you know that's going to be something that I think is going to be really important for tomorrow's game. That like we really need him locked in on the defensive end, even if even if he's not making shots or even if for whatever reason he's hesitating about doing it. But I, the way you describe it, the one way I can always always tell is like eighty the his style of basketball offensive basketball mm. and maybe this is this is very um i don't know did you watch the the, the celtics game the celtics uh yes. sixers game this morning mm-hmm. i don't know that fourth quarter by Embiid has to be like oh, he man. was like selling that game away for the sixers like go watch how Embiid was attacking al horford uh and then credit to al horford he seems to have Embiid's number to some degree like go watch how <laughs> Embiid was hesitating to attack al horford and then like go watch like how AD in a good game attacks like a guy like Draymond or even a guy like Looney. It is very when it's when it's a big man and maybe it's just because they're behemoths. Like yeah, it is very easy to see the intention in a big man's aggression in the NBA. And if you watch Game Two AD versus Game Three AD, at least after the first quarter, you can see the difference. And yeah. if you saw Embiid today. Like that fourth quarter didn't look like that. He looked like he was afraid to shoot the ball. Like he was afraid to shoot it. He was afraid to do anything with it. And, you know, the Sixers won off, you know, off of Harden's game winner, basically. 
um, off the corner three, but like, I'm sure Sixer fans are like look, watching that game. Like, dude, what was this guy doing? And then you follow that game up with uh, Nikola Jokic uh, for, for uh, the Nuggets. And he's just wheeling and dealing, scoring every which way that he possibly can. Intention matters. Like the aggression matters. The intention matters, especially when you're a big man. And if it, like, like we said, when the series started, AD has to be the best player on the floor. He has to be the guy who goes out there and says, I'm going to put my imprint on this game from the minute this game starts. And um, thankfully, Clay decided to finally start missing a couple of jump shots last night uh, because that guy was on a freaking tear through for the first two games. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to miss any more shots. But luckily, he started finally missing some shots yesterday. But like, it's good to see AD retap back into whatever that is. We just need it for two more wins. And, 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 and we can figure it out for the next series. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that Boston-Philly series because, yeah, I think Boston, similarly to Golden State, they want you to attack Al Horford, right? Like, that's that's what they want. Like, yeah, one-on-one against Al Horford, you're kind of by yourself. It's weird. Harden and Embiid can't really run the two-man game. Boston's so good at rotating, and right. then they kind of live with, like, Harden attacking Horford, and he got him a few times, but they, like, live with switching that to an extent, you know, where, like, it's, it's very tough. And they'll have like Tatum on Embiid, and then they'll hard double right into the like Adair, Tobias Harris, who's a very unserious player to me. PJ Tucker, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just I can't I can't stand Tobias Harris as good as maybe he's been solid, but and PJ Tucker who only shoots if he's if like he's by himself in the middle of the ocean, like that's a very tough spot for them to like be aggressive. But yeah, with AD, um, I think we're finding ways, man. And he's been Vinay, like he's been the best player on the floor two out of three games in a series that has Steph Curry and LeBron James in it. Like that's the, yeah. that's the ceiling there. And like, I think his defense in, you know, in game three was fantastic. We're finding ways to like get him more involved, hopefully offensively, but you're right. We'll see like what they, you know, do, but on, on offense though, like, I, I don't know. I think he's going to fluctuate maybe in the shot attempts. I, I don't know. Like you're going to change that mentality right now. Um, but I think like someone has to like get to him. Like, like, I think he shot 11 times in, in game two and that was a blowout for sure. But like, he's too good to like, let, you know, to let that take him out of the game and there's yeah. places we can move the ball and stuff like that. And obviously D'Lo got going Austin, you know, started to attack, but the way they're defending us and they're just so small to me, like he has so yeah. many inherent advantages on the floor to where he should be able to dominate offensively. Like this isn't the Memphis series, no Xavier Tillman and, Jerry Jackson Jr. out there who are like big behemoth physical dudes. Yeah. It's Devin Draymond Green and then the next guy is Andrew Wiggins. Like or it's yeah. Kevon Looney who's too slow and who they've already tried to kind of um keep his minutes away from AD. So I think you know it's it's so weird watching the Warriors adjust like to us in like multiple games. It's it's just not normal for them. We've obviously adjusted to them as well with our defensive coverages and it's been a fun chess match. But yeah, game four to me is the decider though. And and I think we have a lot of advantages going going into it. So, so the savior of that, and we, we should give him his props, the, the savior of that first half for the Lakers, or at least the first quarter for the Lakers, was D'Angelo Russell. By far the Oof. best half of basketball, best game of basketball maybe, uh, that we've gotten out of D'Angelo. And it couldn't have come at a better better time when LeBron didn't shoot the ball for almost 13, 14 minutes of game time straight. Um, Darvin Ham said after the game that, you know, earlier in the year, you know, uh, we didn't, you know, we had to take bad shots to get people going. And, um, you know, n- now we don't have to do that with the team that we have now. 
And, and D'Angelo was a huge, huge part of that. He comes out, makes his first three threes, uh, then makes a jumper, I think, getting Clay to overcommit on a right-handed Oof. drive. That turns into a Beautiful. reverse pivot pull-up. Um, hmm. Trying to remember this correctly. Over the right shoulder, reverse, reverse pivot pull-up after mm-hmm. getting Clay to, to overcommit on his right-handed drive, which is funny because D'Angelo is a left-handed player. Um, and, you know, he was he was fantastic. Like, he was he really, really kept us in that game when we could have very easily come out, like, down 15 within, like, the first couple of minutes of the game. And so, um, obviously, I hope we don't have starts like that. We have to rely on him to do something like that. But, like, it – we talk again, series preview. We talked about this. We don't want to wait until the second half to see D'Angelo Russell start playing better basketball. We need him to be good from the jump. And I would say yeah. for this series so far, at least we've gotten good D'Angelo Russell throughout the game in, in spurts, obviously different guys, have, you know, other guys have stepped up. So he hasn't had, yeah. but I thought, I thought, you know, that was a very underrated part of all the talk was about AD um, and, and the free throws and all that sort of stuff. But I thought D'Angelo Russell was phenomenal. To, to pace us um, for this game. And it feels like he's starting to find his groove a little bit more. And uh, I remember one of the questions that you had was after the win in game one was, you know, is, can we replicate, can he replicate the success that he had in game one? And yeah. I would like to say that so far, like we've seen him, he's still hitting his jumpers and he's hitting yeah. wide open threes now. So like, that's great to see. So I want to like, so most of the conversation, right. I remember like LeBron didn't shoot till like six minutes left. I think in the second quarter, right. Yeah. I was involved in this freak out session, so I'm not going to, you know, attack anyone else. But when I went back and watched, so what we were actually doing, I don't know if you picked this up as well. We were like aggressively attacking Steph Curry, like picking on Steph Curry egregiously in a way where we just have not before. And I'm thinking that was part of the game plan to try to tire him out and Steph, one of the most conditioned athletes ever. Um, But yeah, like try to make him work. And part of that. So we've been talking about this off ball, Bron, right? That's really been quoted everywhere. LeBron's off the ball a lot more. He's playing off cuts and he's being a screener. But in that first quarter, when we put him on the ball, we're like, go hunt Steph Curry. And so Austin screened for him. And then they try to hide Steph on D'Lo. And they're like, he went and screened for him. And what that did was the Warriors don't like to switch Steph onto LeBron. And we talked about this on our last show where, like, he'll motion, like, hey, like, get your rotation, get your rotations in order. Like, they're trying to hunt me, you know? Nine, eight. Not attack. No, no, it makes sense to go against their scheme. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then it gets them in rotation and D'Lo fed off that right like yeah. he really got he got his first three um his first three i think was they went clay was a little bit behind and he got him the second three i think he got was off of lebron drove baseline yeah. and uh did Based a beautiful kick out, yeah. yeah kick out to um to the wing to delo for three um and that got him cooking a little bit and then in transition he got going and what i love about him benet like beasley has some of this in like a weird bad way but like D'Lo doesn't need to be wide open to shoot and he's also like right. reading the game as well like there's one play where it's like high level hoops like you know like it's like he's they were ice like clay was like in ice coverage but draymond wasn't set as like draymond wasn't there for help so he drove by clay for a layup right another play um same first quarter uh steph was a little bit behind the play i think ad blocked steph at the rim and then we got a uh lebron got the rebound and Steph was behind, and Clay had Austin and D'Lo on the same side. So Austin cut, and Clay just for like a split second, fake toward Austin, went back to D'Lo, but it was too late. D'Lo already pulled from three, and that's right. the stuff like he's like reading like where his advantages are, and then capitalizing on them. And that's what's cool to see. And then the step back over Clay was just was just gorgeous. But 
he's just been like steady it feels like right like, throughout you know what i mean and that's what we were asking for like the barrages were what we saw kind of in the regular season even in round one uh but i feel like this warrior series is a series like where and they're telling him like you got to make steph and clay work on the other end and right. i thought he you know and i thought that was a big part of our game plan make them defend multiple screens we threw steph into three screens on the same play one time where he like switched on to austin switch on delo and it got 80 a dump off pass where he got fouled at the rim that stuff like you got to make them work if steph and claire just chilling on the other end while you play isolation with yeah, your then- best player you're dead. They're going to run around and drain threes on you. But if you can make them run and make them work, I think that's important. And I think Delo's a part of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's We've talked about the game of attrition. And, and part of that mm-hmm. game of attrition is you have to make them – like, uh, dude, I'm watching – I remember the – if you go watch the very first play of the third quarter, if you remember this, Austin eats a nasty screen from Draymond. Like, mm-hmm. he, like he stops playing when he eats this, <laughs> like, this screen from Draymond. Like the play is completely dead in terms of like uh, you're not getting anything out of Austin after that screen, and like these guys are eating really bad screens. Um, you know, some yeah. of them are good, some of them are questionable, whatever it is, but it is, and like that can be very taxing. And but you know, Ham and and the rest of the guys like they they figured out a way to you know return the favor more or less to the other team. Like okay, if you're going to do this to Austin. We're gonna give Austin the ball and have him run through, run around AD, and you have to eat AD screens, or you have to eat bronze screens, or Vando's. Screens. Yeah. And even if the play isn't for Austin to look and score, like we're still going to run this just because we want you to run through this screen because we know Draymond's not going to switch on to Austin, and so like you have to play that. You know, it's twenty-four or eighteen-second shot clock by the time you get past half court. Like that's what we're going to do at least once. Uh, before we get, you know, the, the shot that we want to get or create the shot that we want to do. And that's just a part, that's the attrition that you have to play. And, you know, Steph didn't have, like, even Steph, like some of his shots, even some of the semi-open ones didn't look good. Like he was missing those. And whether that's the attrition of having to play both sides of the ball, offense and defense, um, or if it's just a bad shooting game from whatever it is, like that's how you win a game. Like you can't just rely on just, pure shot making or just pure one guy's going to play defense. And so that's, you know, those are all things. That's a human element of basketball. Like those are all things that have to go into, um, you know, winning a basketball game. So uh, like I said, Austin had a very rough first half, had a really great third quarter, I thought, on both ends, uh, offensively and defensively. And then, um, you know, one of the one of the substitution things um, that neither me and you or you expected, we thought it was either Troy or Beasley. We saw Troy show up, I think, in game one. Uh, but game three, he played Lonnie, and he had Lonnie yeah. chasing Clay around. Um, and Lonnie was doing a fabulous job just chasing Clay. Ronnie's a very good athlete. He has issues with, um, again, this is tactical, being smart and knowing your players tactically. Lonnie has issues with point of attack, con- point of attack containment. But Clay's not beating you off the dribble. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Go put him on Clay and tell him to go chase Clay around. So you don't they're not gonna ISO Clay against Lonnie the way they would ISO Steph against Lonnie, right? Because then you gotta worry about containment with, with Steph. So you put him on Clay and you say, okay, just go chase Clay around and, and be the athletic person that you are. And that worked for for and, and again, we just I just talked about attrition. Those minutes save Austin's legs for the second oh, yeah. half by doing that. And so like even if you know, I think Lonnie hit a couple threes. I think he had a nice layup, like a like a heavily contested, like uh, one-handed layup. I think in the mm-hmm. second half or in the first half, 
like even if you don't get scoring out of them, just saving, you know, the productive players' legs. And and again, we don't need to always outscore the opposing bench. If we can just keep it even, you know, I trust Anthony Davis and LeBron to bring us home, or our starters to bring us home. And it's just, you know, I, I thought Ham did a, a really fabulous job, like just kind of pushing all the buttons correctly with this team. Um, yeah, it, it's just great. The one thing he did that scared me in the first half we put Rui on clay and i was oh, like that was dangerous yeah i was like what are we doing like you know and i said at the time i remember we, i was like it was the Rui and lebron at four or five right and it's yeah. the unit that's been getting ran out the floor but then like we had Rui on clay and clay just fought, fleeing open and that's when i think he hit two threes and that, that got their lead up but no lonnie man like i was not expecting that like i you know great credit credit to him for staying ready but i think we talked earlier in the season like Lonnie was solid defensively, like he for was us. Good, man. He was solid, you know, and you know that's gonna be thrown in the ether. No one's gonna remember those two for ten games where, like, holy shit, Lonnie's like defending Damian Lillard really well. Like he's chasing yeah. around screens, doing a good job. Everyone, all they see is the step back three over him. But like, you can go look up Damian Lillard. He does that to a lot of people. Like yeah, the game very, where we were, <laughs> when we were, I was gonna say know, very unfortunate politics affected the Lakers for a lot of that first pre pre trade trade deadline. I think Lonnie, unfortunately was a casualty of that. I mean, he, he does have his flaws defensively, but he's, he's not a player that you can't coach. Like you give him a scouting report and say, Hey, look, this is what this guy likes to do. This is what we need you to do. And then trust your teammates to, to help you out. And he can do that. And I, I thought he did a great job. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. You're good. And yeah. So like we were the one of the few guys who were like, Hey, Lonnie's actually defending. Well, like I know this Lakers record is shit. I know their defensive like rating is crap, but like if you're watching the games, Lonnie's actually like chasing around. Well, yeah. we're putting the ball in his hands. Our late game offense actually is Lonnie AD pick and roll where he's scoring on those. Like, obviously no one remembers that anymore, but uh, like, yeah. So like, it was, it was great to kind of see him get minutes and they were just so egregiously playing off of Troy Brown. Like, you know, like we were like, we were having Troy Brown out there in those second units and we had like Troy with Vando or, or whoever. And they were just so egregiously playing off him as they do with LeBron. And Lonnie stepped into those confidently. Like the first one I think was a miss, but hit his next one on a rotation three, another one off, like I think a skip pass. And then that transition layup you brought about, he brings like some juice and athleticism to me in like lineups that desperately need it. Right. Yeah. Austin, who's not getting those physical and his legs are fried, but like, he's just not playing as physical. He's kind of geared toward more of his skill game. Like, and Dilo obviously more of a skill guard. Lonnie gives like that athletic juice that like, yeah, he can jump up there and, and push the ball and transition and, you know, score before the defense is ready. So I thought, I thought he was really solid and we ran some pick and roll with him and AD as well. Like I, like we, you know, forced them to vent, defend him. And I'm still skeptical, skeptical of on him, like playing more in this series. Like I, yeah. you know, I think eventually the Warriors will kind of maybe, I'm not sure pick on him is the right word, but um, yeah, I just, I think it's tough to throw a guy like this into a series, but he's, he played really well. And with the clay defense, you're right. Stayed with him like was disciplined didn't go for the fakes that's all you asked right there and him yeah. and D'Lo communicating on the switch there's a couple of plays where him and ad were kind of communicating where they should be offensively and uh, on the pick and rolls and um but he was uh you never know who steps up and i thought he did a great job and the point you made on like giving austin a breather so huge austin played 30 minutes obviously it was a blowout but i think like we need another guard beasley's already taken out of the rotation yeah. troy brown is just he hit one he's three, just in ineffective unfortunately right now yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he still gives you some on defense, but they're just, it's just so egregious how they're playing off. And Lonnie is just, 
he's so skilled. Like you watch him play, you're like, that dude can average 15 in this league. Like if he gets the role or whatever, it's just yeah. not work. It didn't work this year. But um, yeah, good, great job from from Lonnie. We'll see what they adjust for him. Yeah, I think I think him. You know, swapping him out, uh, and then also, you know, I think Dennis had a, had a nice game. I think he hit a couple of threes. Mm. I want to say so that was nice yeah. to see Dennis make a couple of shots. He had a play where he basically realized that he had messed up the offensive possession, asked for it back, <laughs> and then he just blew by the guy that he was guard that was guarding him for a layup. And it was just like, you know, like stuff like that is very good to see. Um, Dennis was very vocal defensively. I thought he was like pretty demonstrative defensively. Also, when he was on the floor, usually don't see that out of him, but like he was like actively like yelling at his guys like i did i forgot who it was I think it might have been Dilo. he was yelling at at one point he was just telling him he's just like you need to press up on this guy like don't don't lay off like don't even give him two feet of space like make it six inches of space and, and i think i think it was steph because that's how dennis was defending steph he was trying to press him as much as he possibly mm. could without fouling and so it's it's just i you know a role player stepped up defensively some guys stepped up offensively um, we got, you know, a great AD defensive game. Um, Braun continues to be like, you know, we are what eight games now or seven games now into the, well, we won in six and this was, he's going to be game four. So we've got nine games, games of LeBron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like, I'm, you know, you and I are very optimistic Laker fans and we always will be. And um, I, if this was an ordinary series, I would say that, we will get like a LeBron masterclass, like a game five mm. LeBron masterclass. But Braun is legit compromised. Like his foot is like legit compromised. Like if I can see him and I'm not even a guy who's tracked LeBron like that. I've only watched LeBron very closely right. in his Laker tenure. Like he, his, his foot has definitely compromised his ability to do a lot of stuff. Like I'm seeing him like even struggle to get that second jump to get like a defensive rebound sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you see Andrew Wiggins just flying over the top of him to, to tip the ball away. <laughs> he's just watching, he, yeah. Yeah, he's just watching it and and you know, fatigue or whatever it is, but like he's very clearly not able to get out, jump off that foot. Sure. Um, and so I don't know what we'll get out of him offensively. What I do know is if we can generate turnovers or if we can get out in transition after stops, he still commands a ton of attention in transition. Mm -hmm. Um and they're sending two, three guys at him. And he's usually making the right play, whether it's a layup uh, or, or setting up somebody for, for an open shot. Um, and if that, you know, uh, this is aside from what he's doing defensively. Defensively, he's been doing a, a great job, I would say, um, considering his situation. Like, we need to get him in those sort of positions. Like, we need to try and get him a little bit more downhill um, to, to have an advantage with his size and his ability as opposed to forcing him to do half-court stuff. Um, and granted, we don't dictate all of that, but again, mm -hmm. if we can get stops, we get rebounds. I saw a lot of possessions where we grab the rebound, like a defensive stop, we get the rebound, and Braun's already like in full stride waiting to get like that outlet pass right at half court. Um, and the Lakers were hitting him on those, and, and he was able to kind of apply pressure um, the way that we normally see him do it. So, you know, I don't know what we get out of him offensively, but I, that seems to be a nice formula. You know, if, if we can get consistently get stops. Yeah, you could tell he's like managing himself throughout, right? And so, you know, me, you, and most people, when when they see a Vando three go up, we're like, oh my god, like what are we, what <laughs> right. are we doing? And even a Dennis three, sometimes Dennis takes it with more vigor, vigor. Like he's more yeah. like, yeah, like I'm supposed to take this. Um, but like when a Vando three goes up, we're like, why? But to me, those shots, I've kind of 
when they thought about it as like um low energy offensive possessions where sure. like that's there every time like vando will be wide open for three whenever we want it and that's kind of like you'll see this a lot lebron like we you saw this early in the game where like he drove baseline and there's a guy in the paint, but it's like Vanos open the corner. Let me just baseline kick it out, right? Like just let's just get our offensively flow, offensive flow going. And he picked it up later. And I think like you could see him going throughout. What I do like is we tried to like match up on a little bit in previous games, but we were so slow at it and like yeah. it just ate up our possession. I feel like our spacing on those are a lot better now. Like where where they're rolling, like you'll see austin come set the screen and like if he doesn't set it correctly he'll go out and he'll come reset it and then like he'll roll to the right spot so like he'll short roll right into the to the open area and then we'll play out of that and i think that's where honestly lebron's gonna work out of kind of more facilitator mode i feel like we're gonna put him on the ball a little bit more with d'lo and austin be able to operate off of it and then him in the post to me like we're seeing him pull out the spin move a lot right like that's been coming i think he's had like four spin moves in the last game but to me, that's because, like, it's all just guards. Like, they're yeah. just swiping down on him. And once he gets by that, there's no one at the rim. Like, right. once he's by the guard, he doesn't have to, like, hook shot it for, like, a shot blocker. It's, like, right when he's right when he gets past the guard, it's an easy layup. So, like, to me, like, I don't know. I don't, like, in the past, you wouldn't have been able to play this type of lineup because LeBron would just crush you, go to the rim every time. Um, but it's interesting watching him play it out. I, I forgot what he finished with. Um, in the game but his jumper to me like that game two uh was kind of like a lose the battle win the war game to me like sure. lebron he just jump shot but we lost the game but i was like if we can get lebron's jump shot out of this like if this blowout means we can move lebron's jump shot into this series and i mean i think he was two for five from three in that game like yeah. he hit his corner three like that's all you need like keep the defense a little bit more honest hit the yeah. wide open ones i think part of not shooting till the second quarter was like i'm just not gonna take you know, step back jump shots when they yeah. agree just to go under the screen. Like I'm going to move the ball. D'Lo's hot. We have Austin. We have AD that we're kind of overfeeding, but it, it worked. Um, so yeah, he, I think he's going to pick his spots. Hopefully we have one LeBron. You said masterclass game. Like is the team you can do it against. There's no one yeah. really at the rim. Draymond's it's, not going to block you. Wiggins isn't going to block you. Yeah. They already took their best shot blocker, quote unquote, and Looney off the floor. You should be able to get to the rim and do damage. Especially if, if if they go with pool in that starting lineup and they pull Jermichael out, like they, like mm -hmm. this is like Braun has got to do it. Like he's <laughs> like there should be no like there's literally two or three people that Braun can pick on in that starting lineup if he wants to go post them up um, and, and and just bully them. So I'll be very and he's again he's very high IQ. Like when he sees them go very small, mm -hmm. that's exactly what he's going to try and do. Um, he's going to try and set up the set up that uh, post action and um, yeah. It, 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 it's just you won't see the typical Bron. We're gonna see old man Bron. So I, I I'm gonna pose this to you. So uh, you mm. may not remember this because I'm a thousand years old compared to you. Um, <laughs> there was a time. Okay, so Scottie Pippen played for the Bulls, and then he went and played for the Rockets for a season, and then he okay. went to the Blazers. And and if you know your like history, there's there's two versions of this Blazers team. There's the Jail Blazers team, um, which people fondly remember as the team that was like this bad attitude team get mm -hmm. in trouble, all that sort of stuff. But there was a version of this Blazers team um, that was very good. And uh, one of the, the Blazers, Stoudemire right? team, right. And it had Steve Smith and Scotty yes. Pippen was a starting small forward for that team. Now, 
before I go into this analogy, um, for the Braun folks that are listening to us on the live stream Uh-oh. or in this space, oh, no. I'm not saying that Braun is Scotty Pippen on the Blazers. So please Oof. do not get that very confused. They are very different players. I know Braun has been called Scotty Pippen before. Like I think people <laughs> that his detractors have always said something like, Oh, he's more like Scotty yeah. than he is MJ. It's, it's just a thing that they do to troll and Braun folks sure. take the bait every time. But I remember watching Scotty's role within that team. And mm. that's what I wanted to draw the analogy to. Scotty was way past his prime, right? Like he sure. already wasn't like a super offensively gifted player, but Scotty was like he's a he was a smart player. He was a great defensive player and he had a he had a great IQ for the game. That's something Scotty has always had. And mm-hmm. for that Blazers team, which was a very veteran heavy team at the time, like Scotty was like this steadying force. Now the last probably highlight we have of Scotty is Kobe crossing him over in the fourth quarter and setting up that lob pass to Shaq. But mm-hmm. even prior to that comeback, the Blazers had us on the ropes as a team. And part of that was what Scotty was to the rest of the team. It was it was the Blazers as a unit were much more um they were much more of a like balanced team. Like they didn't have that many guys that like they didn't have any, I don't think, think they even had a guy who shot like over 15 shots a game. Like everybody shot like 14 or less. Scotty shot maybe 10 shots a game at the very most. I'm not saying Braun should shoot less. Was it Rashid but Wallace on that team? Rashid, well? yeah. Rashid yes. was on that team too as well. And so they knew who they were going to run their stuff to, but it was mm. it was more, they were built more like the, that Detroit team um, mm. that, that beat the Lakers in, in, the, in the playoffs uh, or in the finals. But Scotty was like this, like, like he was like the most tenured guy. He was the guy who had the most experienced who knew what it took to win a championship been in those moments and that sort of thing. And when I watch Braun with this team, with this Lakers team during this run, it reminds me a lot of what Scotty did for that Blazers team. He's Hmm. not going out of his way to like make the game about him. He's taking what the game gives him. If he gets transition looks, he's going to attack. If he gets open threes that, you know, he feels are within the flow of the game, he'll take that shot. Um, if he see if he has a hunt mismatches, he'll do that. Obviously, we're getting great defensive play out of LeBron with the blocks and all that sort of stuff that we're getting from him. And that sort of stuff, like when I watch Braun play, like mm-hmm. and just play within the foot, it reminds me a lot of that. And I think that might be good, that might be good enough for what we have with this team, right? Because we have shooting talent, Austin. Um, sorry, uh, Austin D- Delo. You have def- you have like those defensive specialist guys. You have AD who's been phenomenal two way for the most part. Um, sure, he's locked in and stuff like that. And so Braun is just like this steadying force who finds those different pockets. And then you and I both said the same thing. Um, last series, Braun didn't have like a spectacular signature Braun game at any point in that Memphis series. And I think he's. I don't know if he's actively thinking of it you know, or, you know, the people in his circle are talking to him about it, or if he's just doing it on his own, or if the coaches are telling him, but he seems like he's sort of reading and reacting what, what his team needs and then going to go do that. And I think that's been, again, we said in the Memphis series, it's been really amazing to see that because a guy of his stature, his caliber, granted he is compromised physically. You don't see that level we talk about humility and leadership and stuff like that, but you're watching it happen on the court. You're seeing Braun defer to a second year guard 
in Austin Reeves <laughs> and you're seeing mm-hmm. him defer to other guys when he could absolutely just say, give me the ball and get out of my way and take a bad jump shot if he wanted to, which we've seen him do like during the season, but he's not doing that. And I'm, I, the, the only way I can just, the only thing I can say is I don't think that's appreciated enough Sure, because it is very hard. Like we saw it with Russ. We saw it with Carmelo. We've seen it with other players. It is very hard to zoom out of the moment and be like, I, I can't be that guy right now in this moment because this guy is, this guy is playing really well. And I think it's been really I, – I think we would be remiss to not mention that his leadership in terms of filling in the gaps where we need it is, has been phenomenal throughout, this, throughout these entire playoffs. Yeah, the, the word I think about is evolution, right? Like he's really evolved – um as a player and you talked about it's happening live like most guys they have to kind of go through some kind of you know drop right carmelo i know maybe not on the same tier player but like carmelo had to was out of the league for a year because they're like you you're going to have to adjust um so yeah watching him evolve into this off-ball player and not just that kind of understand his team right like it's probably the first time like i'm not sure the last time lebron was this much off the ball it's probably never happened like he probably started this heliocentric trend where you give the guy you give your wing the basketball and he kind of runs the actions and lebron was never you know as egregious as like luca and harden kind of were at that but like kind of started this where like you have the big playmaker at the wing spot not at your guard spot um yeah it's interesting to watch him go through this and i think even connecting this vinay to anthony davis um and you know there's a lot of non-basketball stuff where like whose team is it who's the or as TNT says, who's the bus driver? And I don't really think of it in that capacity. But yeah. what I do think of it is like LeBron was never going to hand someone the keys. Like right. you were you were going to have to tell LeBron get in the back seat. I'm driving. Like that that's what was going to have to happen. And I think we're seeing some of that where like 80s, like, no, I got it. I'm just gonna knock, I'm just going to guard everyone, and then I'm also gonna have 31 and 17, right? And that's the type of stuff where like he needs that at this age. So it, it it's so cool to watch that. I mean, Vinay, he took 11 shots in the last game. I mean, that's, six that's for, crazy. Six for 11. Right. And, and you talked about most of that's like in transition. Like I think three yeah. of those are in transition. Another's off of like the ball moves and he gets a corner three. It's not him. Like I'm at the top. Um, I'm hunting and then I'm, I'm hitting step back jumpers all game. And it's just, you're right. It's not appreciated enough. And him still like evolving as a player throughout his like career into a spot where he's still like on any given night can take over, can have his 35. It hasn't happened yet, but he hasn't really needed to. And he can like read like, okay, D'Lo's going. I don't have to press the turbo right now. Right. Like, let me, let me see how long this goes. Oh, Austin Reeves is cooking Jaron Jackson Jr. in the fourth quarter. I know it's close, but right. Let me see how long this goes, and it just keeps going. Like, and then that builds trust, right? And I think also another part of this is that uh, it gets forgotten now. But you know, uh, LeBron got hurt, right, in the Dallas yeah. kind of game, and we were like the 13th seed during that time. Like, and the you know, and the team was had to coalesce as like a team without him mm-hmm. and try to make the playoffs, and they did. They went, I think, 19 and seven. I forgot what the exact record was. LeBron came back a little earlier than they thought, but I think that also put it into like, hey. Like, I don't have to come in and, like, change a lot. Like, right. I can come in and not fit in. That's a that's a bad way to put it. But, like, I can, like, I can compromise the defense and then let other people right. eat off of that and make their lives easier than, like, me coming in and seeing what they can do for me. And I'm like, oh, I can actually help in terms of, like, 
I can create advantages here. I can point out like, hey, when you screen here, this guy does this and like kind of make life easier for guys who haven't been in the playoffs or like Austin Reeves and D'Lo, who's had a very short playoff history. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been cool to watch him evolve. I still think Vinay to like win maybe even this round, we're going to need a little bit more like in terms of Absolutely. his scoring yeah. punch. And he knows that, right? And then I do think the shooting was in his head. You see him at the you see him at the yeah, at the um arena six hours early. I mean, like, you know, that I'm not saying like that's that he wouldn't do that anyway, but you know, you could tell like his shooting's in like he's trying to fix that. He's yeah. going he's putting in the work and I think we're seeing some fruits of that, but um, yeah, teams are playing off him, and then this is like the first time since maybe like his 07 where like they're daring him, like, yeah, you know, like since, since pure... early before he became a better jump shooter, yeah, or maybe even 2011, right? Dallas yeah. kind of did some weird things, but like in terms of just daring LeBron James to beat you on open shots, yeah, that's not something you've heard in a very long time, so um, it must be a, a transition for him as well, but yeah, it's been cool to watch him evolve as he has, and and this team I think is is better for it because of that. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I think it's a very underrated part. And, you know, like obviously um, the national talk, national talk shows, I don't even call them talk shows. It's more like just theater now because I've seen sure. like this, Steven, no matter how many times I block that first take account on Twitter, somehow <laughs> it gets unblocked. And I'm almost positive that first take is paying extra money to Elon Musk to unblock <laughs> that account. But like I block SAS and first take and everybody that's part of those shows, Shannon, everybody. And somehow they really, get unblocked and they, they make their way to me. Really quick side note. What I don't understand is like, so Skip Bayless, who doesn't follow anybody on Twitter, right. you'll tweet and then a million people will tweet at him. <laughs> no, but like, here's my thing. He's never responded to he's anyone. Never, yeah, so like, what's the, rash, what's the rationale in responding? Like people like really put thought out statements <laughs> to him. Like, no, you're wrong because of this, this and this and this point. But he's never responded ever. He's never even interacted. Yeah. He only follows one person, which is first take, I think. And and I think Lil Wayne, which is the strangest relationship ever. But like, I'm just like, I, I'd never uh, keep going. My bad. I just like, I, no, that no, no, always, you're, that you're... always confuses me when like, he's never responded ever. And like people put out thought out paragraphs, just big games. I don't know. It's just weird. But there is, yeah. there is a thing um, that somebody who works with for Colin Coward sent me a long, long time ago in a DM. Uh, you know who this person is, but uh, he sent it to me a long time ago in, in the DM, and um, it was an it was something that Colin had told him, and Colin is of the same ilk, right? They they all do the same thing, and I think the thing that he had told this guy, like the advice he had given him, is say whatever you want to say as long as you say it with conviction, and literally do not care about what people's response is when it comes to whatever you have to say. Like that's how you are successful in his industry. And if you think about it, like Sass, not, Skip, not Shannon, wrong. Coward, like that's what they do, right? Like they go sure. up there and they say a thousand different things. Like, you know, maybe half of it's true, half of it's just confirmation bias, whatever it is. But they literally do not care about the, you know, as long as it's not like racist or something like that or sexist or something, like they literally don't care about what reaction they get to it. And I like to say, like I, I consider those shows theater. That's not analysis. Entertainment. I yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't care if JJ Reddick or Kendrick are up there. Kendrick is actually really <laughs> smart. And it's it's unfortunate that he has to play a character when he's on those shows. JJ but, is too. JJ's yeah. a really smart dude. They Old Man in Three is a is a good podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And um those shows are theater, but like they don't get paid to give sports takes. They get paid to eat all the insults that they get for the sports takes that they put out. Like that's why they sure, make the money that they make. It. 
Um, and so that that's just the way I, I, I kind of think of it. Um, but you know, it, it just kind of it is. I don't. I don't even remember how we got on this topic. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you were, I forgot why you why you went there. I don't. Yeah, remember. It, um, it, it is what it is. But you know, speaking of, um, since we've gotten through a lot of the tactical stuff, um, a lot of the praise and the flowers and the improvements and what we expect to possibly have happen in, in game four, uh, we need to get to the elephant in the room, which is this enormous free throw disparity that everybody <laughs> seems to be complaining about. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the original sticking point that I saw that was being, uh, that was being pushed across was, um, drives, right. That was the, that was a statistic, the metric that people were using. Well, Lakers drive X amount of times. And so that's why they get so many more calls. And then, um, you know, people started looking up that number and going, oh, well, th these two teams drive uh, as much as each other. There's no difference. There's a very nominal difference in the amount of drives that they have happened. So now they turned into the, this big war uh, of the, the Warriors being, uh, you know, a, a league-wide conspiracy to prevent the Warriors from winning against the Lakers, even though that wouldn't make sense to won four championships already. Like, that, you know, maybe it's got to be something more deeper than that. Anyways, um, there's, a, there's a large free throw disparity. Uh, game one, game yeah. two, game three. Uh, what is your explanation for that free throw disparity? They, and I, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can't cover everything. But what do you think that is is the reason for the free throw disparity between these two teams? Uh, I mean, I think it was kind of uh, it was also talked about before going into this series. I mean, the Lakers are one of the best teams at getting to the line and mm -hmm. also not fouling. That's a that's a pairing that has made them a successful team. That is part of the conversation. That's part of their character of why they are here in the first place. Like that's, that was that carried through from the regular season to here. That's a trait of this team. And it's very strange. I mean, uh, you know, the drives thing you can, I, I would love like for someone, if they're going to say the foul, bring up the fouls, like show them, like give me right. Like, you know what I mean? Example by example, just going on the number of fouls because a foul can be one that also like did not lead to free throws. Right. So or like, or, Correct. You know, or it could be, there's a technical free throws. There's like all this type of stuff. There's 80 in the paint swatted like, and, and gets, you know, hammered in the paint. And those are obviously the real ones that they want to pull up. But I mean, some of those it's tough. Clay and Steph get some tough fouls as well. Right. Like they get the shooting ones, they get the benefit of down on those. But I think just in terms of like the Warriors drive to kick it, like, Matthew Davis in the paint. You watch their drives. Like a drive will be counted even if Steph Curry just roams inside and then roams right. back out. That's still counted as a drive, although there was no intention by Steph Curry to shoot on Anthony Davis. That was not happening. His intention is to go in, bring him, and hopefully their motion gets them an open shot. So I think that's part of it. I mean, when you take like the Warriors took like 50% of the shot from three, like, I mean, like, you know, like those kind of stuff are going to lead to less free throws just inherently and also like the lakers are a big physical team the warriors are trying to get smaller and smaller after every game like they're starting three guards now they've taken a big man out of the rotation you right. want more free throws for that like that that's the part like that doesn't make sense to me and the lakers whole game like getting to the line is part of what they do like and that should be scouted against i'm not saying like uh, and also, like, you know, so Dennis, he's really good at, like, if you're out of position defensively, 
Dennis will pick on that, right? Yeah. And he got free throws on Clay a few times. Or again, Clay and and his big man not in communication on the icing of the of the ball screen. And Dennis like, oh, you're hanging on to me. Now I'm open at the rim. I'm going to get to the line. And that type of stuff I know pisses Warrior fans off and stuff like that. But that's like Jordan Poole does that a, a ton. Like that's part of his game too. Right. Jordan Poole in transition will just in and out dribble. He's at the rim now. Like either I'm getting fouled or I'm getting a layup. Like and and that's good on him. That's part of his game. He did that in the playoffs last year as well so i think my answer to that is we have a team that's a jump shooting oriented basketball team clay's gonna get what 60 percent of his shots from behind the arc like just right. draymond and looney aren't shooting like like unless they're open like so where are the fouls coming from wiggins steph who's we've kind of like our whole goal is to take him away from the rim i don't know where the where the uh, majority of their free throws are coming there so i don't know i just hate when the conversation though Vinay is like free throws when there's so much freaking good basketball and chess yeah. matches that we just went into back and forth the rotations and coverages and how would you guard Steph? How are you guarding AD LeBron fitting into us? And then one whole day we just got refs conspiracy. Yeah. Got, got it. So yeah. yeah. What's, your, what's and, your answer? Yeah, no. And, and I, my answer is this is how analytics gets misused. Honestly, like that, mm. that's the way that's, this is this, this conversation about drive data is a very great example of how you use stats or metrics and misapply it to an to, to provide an explanation for something that shouldn't be there. And it requires you to watch the film. What you just did is you took that one metric drives and you gave contextual you gave context to the different kinds of drives or the different kinds of things that may happen in a drive, which would mm. still result in it being recorded as a drive. A driving right. kick still counts as a drive, but if it's a missed three, then you don't get anything for it. It's but it still right. counts as a drive. A drive that results in a shot that gets blocked by AD is still considered a drive. So you're still mm -hmm. adding to that drive statistic. When Draymond short rolls to the rim and then eventually kicks it out to somebody that's open, that's also considered a drive, whether the shot goes in or not. And that is the importance of like understanding what that metric means. Now, if you set for anybody who used that as the talking point that's fine like I, I don't think there's anybody like some people intentionally do it just to sure be misinformative um but that's not the reason why like it's the easy way if i didn't care i'd like i mean to some degree i don't like like i would just say watch the game like just watch the game and you'll know why the lakers are getting fouls like the lakers are forcing the issue we just started this pot off saying that ad is directly going into draymond's chest and creating collisions and, and and forcing them to have to play physical defense against them that's resulting in fouls. Um, there, there are things that are happening in the game that's forcing, like LeBron driving in transition must have collected what, three, four uh, transition mm -hmm. like layup fouls, like in, in some fashion or setting up other guys. Yeah. Like all drives are not created equal. And you also said it perfectly. When there's a difference between getting fouled 35 feet away, just like somebody grabbing Steph as he's like trying to use a screen and that being a non-shooting foul versus somebody driving to the rim and taking, attempting a layup and, and it being a shooting foul. Like if the Lakers were getting a bunch of jump shooting fouls and, yeah. and the Warriors weren't, then I'd be like, okay, you know what? This, this is kind of, this is getting a little crazy, but one team is going to the rim while the other team is actively trying to create open threes. And here's the very easiest explanation. The Warriors took Kevon Looney out of the starting lineup and played Jermichael Green. The goal uh -huh. of that was to get Jermichael Green wide open threes. So you switched your starting lineup strategy 
to create more wide open jump shots for your teammates. And you're complaining about, and, and every single time Jermichael Green gets a wide open three off of a Steph drive or a Draymond drive or a Clay drive, all of those count as drives. Mm-hmm. But none of those drives are going to lead to free throws if Jermichael Green is just being left open because the Lakers are, are, are okay with him taking wide open threes. Small things like that, small context things like that help explain what's actually happening on the floor. You and I, I can like I don't have to explain this to you. You already know this, like because kind of. But just like if you're watching the game, you can see it. Anybody who's watching the games can see why it's happening. Should Steph maybe get some more free throws than he typically does? You know, if he's getting fouled or something like that, I won't even dis- I won't even disagree with that. Like there are sometimes where I, I watch not even against the Lakers. Like I'll be like, dude, Steph should have probably gotten a foul on this. Like I don't know why yeah. they get it, but at the same time, like as a Laker fan, I watch LeBron literally get slapped in the face. In, in the middle of a game as he's attempting a layup and there's no call. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I'm not saying it's eye for an eye or it's, it's, it's all fair and stuff like that. But how many times have you seen Steph consistently drive over and over again to the rim and not get that call? Like just because he sprinkles it in, in between like four or five threes that he takes or four or five jump shots that he takes. Like you're not, how, how often do you see Clay do it? Clay typically goes to the, drops the shoulder and takes the fall away midi. That he exactly. Who's doing it? Jordan Poole hasn't been getting to the rim against the Lakers. And he's he's chucking threes like crazy. We know Draymond isn't. Looney isn't. So who's getting to the rim outside of Andrew Wiggins, who has been, I think, getting free throws. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But like, it, if your whole strategy is formulated on getting open jump shots, you're not going to get fouls. And, right. And and like that's that's just – I don't think there's a conspiracy behind it. The, the crazy part is the, is the argument. And th- this is the part that I think is funny. There's an argument being made that the Lakers shouldn't get as many fouls. And that's mm. the part that's crazy to me because people are basically advocating for, we know it's a foul, but just don't call it. And they can't. <laughs> make it. And it's just like, that's, that, that's not how it works. And I thought, and I thought Steve Kerr, like he came out today and he like, I think after the practice, um, he came out and he said, what is the point of whining about fouls? Like it's our own perform- like they had 19 turnovers in that game. Yeah. They let the Lakers go on a 30 to four or a 30 to eight run uh to close out the half or something like that. Like that doesn't have anything to do with fouls. And I think even Steph himself said, like, what like that doesn't accomplish anything, like complaining about that. Like we have to be better and we have to make adjustments and stuff like that. So it's just it's a it's a, I think it's a silly conversation. Um it's a silly conversation point. And I think I think you said it perfectly. It takes away from all the really good basketball that we're watching tactically between these two teams to attempt. To yeah. So I, I remember in, in, after game two, me and you will share notes and stuff. Not once were we like, man, the rough screwed us in game two. Like we were like, we were like, we were like the Warriors freaking out played us. Anthony Davis was terrible and he needs to be better. And I like, and again, I, maybe some Laker fans when it went into the referees, I think that's such a, it's such a third party between like, what we can watch and analyze because it's something you can't, you're not going to control. And you like, there's, there's ref conspiracies. I'm sure maybe there's market, you know, advantages, whatever, but like the stuff like that, I don't really like to even get into, but yeah, like, I mean, both of these teams, I mean, you talked about the Warriors have won a bunch of titles. The Lakers are the glamor franchise in the league. Is any conspiracy going back and forth? I think these are two teams that are probably hard to referee in, in a regular sense. Steph Curry is, one of the most skilled players ever. And he probably gets tacked because of his greatness. You know, like he probably makes a lot of and ones that like 
the ref will do this where they'll stare at it and be like, if it misses, I'll call it. If not, then if it goes in, then I don't want to stop play. Right? Just why add? It is, but I understand it in terms of like why it stopped the play even more. Like he got right. the basket, it was good enough. The foul didn't impact him, at least being able to make the basket. So some of these, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just saying that's stuff that happens. LeBron gets tacked for this a ton, right? We watch it out every single yeah. time. LeBron will spin, hack, someone will chop at his arm. He'll still finish the layup and he'll go to the guy like, hey, he hit my head and my arm. They're like, LeBron, you made the layup. Like, go the go the other yeah. way, you know? And so, like, yeah, like that that really takes away from like what I think is a really fun tactical series where like Steve Kerr made an adjustment, Darvin Ham came and countered, and we expect Steve Kerr to counter back and like to just push the ref narrative, which again was should have been kind of expected. The Lakers don't foul; that's part of their advantage, and getting to the line is part of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, LeBron took I mean LeBron took eight free throws. Anthony Davis took twelve. I think three of those were like technicals. Right. So I mean, like yeah, they had they had like seven points on like technicals, flagrants, and take fouls. Yeah, I got so it's just yeah. So like yeah, exactly. And eighty, you know, a lot of that's in the rim where maybe there's a couple more there, maybe there's a couple less. Who knows? I do think the one gripe, like if you want to, if you want to bring this up, like I I get it. The block charges on Draymond, those are like very. Those are hit and miss, right? Like, like Draymond has only so much he can do. Anthony Davis has so much that he can enforce. And that, like, that like tug of war there between like what a block and a charge is and what the line is in terms of the physicality you should allow. We can have that conversation. I think in the playoffs, it's a little bit more physical. But the like, you know, these the amount of free throws that we get in terms of our drives or whatever you want to put it versus them they're gonna take you know a lot more threes than us and i think part of the reason that it was a blow is because they shot 29 percent from three right exactly they shot uh 13 more threes than us and made one less that right. was the game the the foul shooting is not the reason you got drubbed by 30 so right like if, if you're a laker fan complaining about the lakers not getting fouls in game two like how much of that 30 point or the 29 or 28 point loss was that going to actually differ, like stop from happening like well, we have yeah. lost by 15 instead of 28 and then likewise it's the same thing in game three like okay if we get less foul calls like do you lose by 20 instead of 30 is that the argument that you're trying to make like because clearly there was more than just fouls that were involved um yeah clay cooling off six turnovers on his own which is very uncharacteristic for a guy who hardly puts the ball on the floor um as a player like it just it's just there's so much that happens in the game of basketball. It's just unfortunate that this whole free throw thing has dominated sort of the at least the social media conversation um, of everything. And I would imagine it's probably going to be something that, again, these shows that are all theater like that's going to probably be the talking point because they have to drive up engagement. And, um, you know, it just everything turns into like this gigantic social media national media echo chamber where just nonsense whatever the most popular nonsense gets trending uh on on the internet you know is is usually the number one topic of conversation um on on national media and it just kind of you continue to fuel that and then people go in and watch games and they're going in with like this expectation like oh lakers are unfairly getting free throws so now every free throw that they get in your mind is just always unfair because that's all you saw on social media and that's all you saw on first take or whatever these shows are. So it's just, it just, it does such a disservice to the game. Um, I mean, so yeah. So, and I just want to just continue the point here. Game two, again, Lakers got drubbed. Warriors played extremely well. LeBron had zero free throws in that game where he shot 18 times. 
Russia 18 right. times got zero free throws in game two. Anthony Davis got one free throw attempt in game two. Again, I don't didn't see anyone go through those and be like, hey, you know what? LeBron probably should have got more free throws. Maybe, right. but like that, to me, that would have killed the real analysis, which was the Warriors went small and the Lakers need to figure out what to do against right. them going small. It's not we need to figure out how to get LeBron to cheat the officials to get more calls. Like that, right. that takes away from and again, if the Warriors tomorrow, if all they take from game three is they should have got more fouls, they're tr- like, and I don't think they will because they're a great no, organization. Sure and yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're 100%, you know, very locked in and what's going on. But if that's what they took from it, they would be wrong. Like, and so, and I don't think they will. But um, yeah, it's sad that that's the uh, conversation around it. And um, yeah, you're right. It's just this echo chamber, even the like, maybe the ESPN pregame show, you know, going like, well, Giannis stay in Milwaukee. I'm like, there's a, playoff game is about to, <laughs> to go on will Giannis get his extension i'm like man like this is a playoff game about to go on i think it was like nick's heat game three or whatever like yeah. one one series like eh, i don't know maybe this you know Giannis happy like why is Woj up there pushing that so yeah, yeah but whatever um uh, but anyway yeah yeah so like the foul shooting is what it is i think the lakers should win that here's what i'll say if it's if the foul shooting is tied the lakers are in trouble Right. Sure. Like, that that's the way I'll put it. If the foul yeah. shooting is even, I think Lakers are in trouble because not because of it's cheating or whatever. It's that that meant they weren't aggressive. Right. They weren't going to the rim and they're playing the Warriors style basketball. Um, right. So that's what that would entail to me. It wouldn't tell that the Warriors are getting cheated, are, are getting some kind of advantage from the rest. It wouldn't tell me like, hey, we weren't freaking aggressive. We yeah. probably shot a bajillion jump shots when we should have went to the rim and, and played our game. So. Yeah, something something out like some sort of outlier happened where the Lakers either went against their identity or exactly something, something else, or, or or the Warriors got super aggressive and started attacking the rim and drawing fouls and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm glad that we got through that because <laughs> that's been <laughs> I just keep seeing it on my timeline. I can I can't block enough people. It just somehow makes its way to my timeline. But Raj, we covered a ton of stuff, a lot of tactical yeah. stuff, a lot of flowers given out for for game three performances. But tomorrow is going to be a very huge game. Lakers have an opportunity to go up 3-1. Um, and that's something that we did against Memphis. But that game was not easy against Memphis um, when we went up 3-1. That was a slugfest. And the Warriors wow. are an even better team with even more battle-hardened players, um, you know, with Steph and those guys. And they've been in that position before to have to do that. And, you know, I expect the Warriors to be, like, extreme, like the most sharp that they've been this entire series so far tomorrow. And I'm hoping that the Lakers will be, you know, they match that and they stick to their identity. And, you know, we don't have to like start our games off very slow like we did and, and hope that somebody can bail us out. So I, I hope the Lakers come in very sharp. I know you hope hope the same. Um, any any like last thoughts that you have like in regards to tomorrow's game? Yeah, I think I just want to close with this because it's very easy to get wrapped up in like the series. But I think it's also important to be like, man, like just to be in this spot is so so cool to like talk yeah. playoffs i mean we started two and ten and you know we were doing spaces like this team kind of just needs to win two in a row you know like yeah. can we <laughs> can, can, we, get, can two, we get like a four game win streak or a three yeah, game like can we just attach wins together one time and then this guy got out and we're starting patrick beverly and we're like what are we doing why is he our small forward and yada and not to belabor on but just to be like i think it's important to like just enjoy you know the games as much as you can and yeah um yeah so it should be fun the warriors aren't gonna go go down easy you know people like yeah we should have been up too well that was the like dude 
you've been watching this Warriors team, they're like they're freaking good. Like this is not some team you step over. Not like Memphis, not that Memphis was, but like going in there and winning two on their home floor was always going to be tough. And even winning the series, still you're up two one, is still tough. But I mean, we're two wins away from a conference finals. I mean, just say that out loud. It's just and you watch these other series. Boston in a dogfight with the Sixers. Um, you saw the the Suns tie it up with with Jokic today. Miami and New York. We'll see what happens there, but um, it's it's really cool to be part of the conversation, and uh, I think it's important to enjoy it as well. I know you're a person who thinks that way as well. So um, yeah, it's it's, it's always yeah, it's it's always important to like enjoy the moment and reflect yeah. on it. Um, I won't agree with Giannis saying that like <laughs> failure is just a stepping stone. <laughs> But no, he I doesn't mean, even believe that. Let's yeah. be real. But, I, yeah. <laughs> but you know, on, on reflection, it's like it's you know, it's been. I think Braun said it best. It's been like three seasons in one so far. So just appreciating the the position that we're in um, yeah. is important. But I would love to advance to the next round, no matter what. So, Me too. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow, and then we'll have our analysis uh, after that, and and we'll cover just kind of what we learned from from Game Four. Uh, after that, once we get it on the schedule. But uh, as always, I want to uh, thank the folks that are in the space and in the live stream. Uh, on behalf of me and Raj, we really appreciate you guys spending your time for this hour and a half um, listening to us talk about the Lakers basketball uh, for Lakers Detailed. And uh, you can follow Raj on his uh, uh, at his um, on on his Twitter, and you can uh, sit with him for the watch watch playbacks as he sort of narrates the games. Uh, live, uh, if you, if you have the time and, and uh, the ability to do so, um, you can follow me. You can follow the Lakers Detailed account. We appreciate all the support that we get, whether it's people tuning in here, liking, sharing, retweeting, whatever it is. Um, and uh, you know, if nothing else, uh, I hope you know we both hope that you have a good day or evening uh, whenever you end up hearing this. Uh, so we'll catch you in the next one. Take it easy. Peace.